Let's just pray. <coughs> Lord, as we come to your word now, we ask that you would speak to us, speak to each one of us as we need, according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. The title this morning is A Saviour Has Been Born. Why did the angels come down to the shepherds? It's a very familiar part of the the Christmas message, the Christmas story. At the birth of Jesus, the angels were out in their fields at night. Well, shepherds were out (laughs) in the fields at night. And the angels came down and spoke to them. Christ the Messiah had been born in Bethlehem. We're all probably quite familiar with that well-known Christmas carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It's actually interesting. We're not actually told that they sang. We're told that they said what what they said. But it's maybe reasonable to think that the first angel spoke and then the rest of them might have been singing glory to God in the highest. But nevertheless, the angels came The angels spoke to the shepherds. Why did they do that? Why was that important? I'd like us to consider four reasons. And the first is that they announced that a saviour had been born. For Mary's sake, they announced it. The story of Luke chapters 1 and 2 focus on the the prophecy of the birth of Jesus. the, The circumstances of his birth the announcement of it, interspersed with the story of John the Baptist. And then the story of John the Baptist continues on after the birth of Jesus. That's taken up in chapter 3 of Luke's Gospel. But according to the first two chapters, the announcement of of the birth of Jesus to Mary is the main focus. The story of Mary seems to be the, the thrust of the focus throughout the first couple of chapters of Luke's gospel. The angel Gabriel announced to her that God's grace was on her and she would conceive by the power of the Holy Spirit. And her response was one of humility, of faith and obedience. She said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Mary is a great example of how we ought to humbly Obediently accept God's will and God's word and act according to it. To trust in his word, to trust in his promises and not to doubt. She then visited her, was it her cousin Elizabeth? She visited Elizabeth to help her in the last months of her pregnancy as she carried John the Baptist in her womb She was already six months pregnant when the angel Gabriel came and announced to Mary. And as Mary came, on hearing the the sound of, of, of her voice, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and knew that the Messiah was already conceived in Mary's womb. The Holy Spirit had revealed that to her as well. And she greeted Mary When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she exclaimed with a loud cry, 
Blessed are ye among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. The story continues about Mary, the announcement to Mary, the greeting to Mary, the the blessed announcement that Elizabeth gives as Mary arrives. And then Mary, she, she sings a song of praise to God, what's known as the Magnificat. She begins, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And it goes on. It's quite too long for us to to read in full. And after we read about the birth of John the Baptist, we're told about Joseph and Mary's journey to Bethlehem, which was because there was a census being taken. It was Joseph's ancestral home. It's where his family was rooted. So he traveled back there, Mary with them. And while they were there, she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Well, that word inn is translated more often in the New Testament as guest room or upper room. Then we're told about the angels and their encounter with the shepherds, which we'll look at shortly. And then we're told that, and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all they heard and wondered at what the shepherds told them. (coughs) But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Mary treasured up all these things. We're told specifically how Mary reacted to what the shepherds had said. It's almost as if the focus on these two chapters seems to be on Mary and even what the shepherds did and experienced. That is rounded off by how Mary responds and ponders these things in her heart. Let's just imagine for a minute that the shepherds hadn't heard the angels and that they hadn't gone to Bethlehem and told Mary and the others what they had heard. We also know from Matthew's gospel that the wise men came and, and worshipped Jesus and brought gifts to him. And we can surmise that they arrived at least 40 days after Jesus was born. Because when Mary and Joseph went up to Jerusalem, they didn't have enough money to buy a lamb to give a, a thanksgiving offering for the firstborn male. They could only afford two birds. They certainly hadn't got the gold, frankincense and myrrh that would enable them to have afforded to to buy the the normal offering. Uh, But they had to do the poor person's offering. It could have been up to a year before the the wise men arrived because it it was over a thousand miles from Babylon to Jerusalem and then on to Bethlehem. If the wise men were those who had been in in Babylon where Daniel had worked and lived and brought the knowledge of the Hebrew scriptures. When Jesus is described as as they arrived, the, the word used is not the word for a baby, but the word for an infant. So the wise men would have arrived 
between 41 days and maybe six or nine months later. Imagine Mary would have had nothing to affirm the birth of Jesus during that time. Imagine if the the shepherds hadn't announced what the angels had said to them. Imagine if Mary had simply, after the promise with the angel Gabriel, she had just given birth to Jesus and it was just like any other birth in the town, in the, in the land. She would have wondered, is this really the Messiah? I know Joseph had a dream, but she would have been in doubt. She would have needed reassurance and confirmation. And yet the shepherds come that night and they affirm the angels have told us this is the Messiah has been born and so this was a message not just to the other people this was a message to Mary to reassure her yes all the ostracism that you might have gone through people wondering yeah you're pregnant we know how that happens and her saying no it's of the Holy Spirit and all that struggling that she would have gone through When the baby was born, she was given reassurance that this was from God. The angels had announced it. The announcement of the angels to the shepherds was a saviour had been born for Mary, for her sake. But not just for hers, it was also a saviour for Israel. The birth of Jesus was also the fulfilment of the promise that had been given many years beforehand. And yet, despite the prophecies, despite the promises, the word of the Lord had not been heard through the prophets for a few hundred years. Since the last of the prophets spoke, between then and the first book of the New Testament, there was a gap of a few hundred years. And the Israelites, the shepherds, the people may have wondered, Has God abandoned us? Has he changed his plans? But the message to the angels was clear. God hadn't forgotten about his people. God hadn't changed his plans. God was fulfilling his promise. The Savior had been born. If you're familiar with Handel's Messiah... You might, be, you might remember that chorus, Glory to God, which reflects those words, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Handel's Messiah, that rising chorus, Glory to God, Glory to God, in some way tries to give an image, uh, an impression of what it must have been like for the shepherds to, to hear that message to see the angels, they must have been in awe. Out at night and then the angel appears and then the the host, the army of angels appears. Glory to God in the highest, they said. It wasn't just another boring night looking after the sheep for them. We might have thought that if the long-promised Saviour was going to be born in the line of King David, that an announcement might have been made in Jerusalem, 
to the religious leaders. But no, this announcement was made to shepherds in the fields at night. It was to ordinary people that Jesus' announcement was, had come because Jesus has come for ordinary people. Sadly, too many rich people are self-sufficient. Those in power tend to not be humble in their hearts. They tend to be self-reliant. And yet Jesus came to save anyone who would trust in him. And those who tend to be poor in the eyes of the world tend to be those who realize their need more than anyone else. Those who are needy in the eyes of the world tend to need Jesus more. He said it is more difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. It's not impossible. There are many good rich people who have been humble in their hearts. But Jesus came to the lowly shepherds. His announcement was made to the lowly shepherds. He was born in lowly circumstances. And in announcing the birth of Jesus to the shepherds, that was also a reflection that his ministry was to be a shepherding ministry, a pastoral ministry, gathering, protecting his people, just like a shepherd would gather and protect the sheep. The wise men would later make known more publicly the birth of Jesus. But for the moment, the announcement of the angels to the shepherds was what was needed. The Savior who had been promised through the nation of Israel had been born. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. For unto you is born this day to the nation of Israel was born this day, the angels were saying, a Savior. It was through the nation of Israel that the promises had been given, that the understanding of sacrificial law, the need for an atoning sacrifice, was made even clearer. It was through the the people of Israel that the king, King David, was, was king in Jerusalem, which signified in a way the kingship of Jesus. So in many ways, the people of Israel, the nation of Israel, gave birth to the Savior in a sense. He was born into that people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. The angel says, I bring you good news of great joy. But they say that it will be for all the people. I bring you good news of great joy. But although the message was given to the people of Israel, to the Jews, although they received the message, it wasn't just for them. I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. It will be for all nations. This gospel is not restricted to a select group and It's for all nations, people across the world, from every tribe, tongue, and nation. The Savior was born into the the nation of of the Israelites, the Jews. 
But he wasn't just for them. He was for all people. He is a saviour for the world. The Israelites were privileged, certainly, in having the scriptures, in having such a close relationship with God. But their close relationship with him was not exclusively for their own benefit. It was for ours too. They didn't realize that their privilege wasn't limited to them, but it was a launching pad for God to to bless the rest of the world through the birth of the Messiah. And so glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The angels didn't announce peace to Israel, but peace on earth. The birth of Jesus has worldwide significance. He's the saviour of the world. For all people. For all nations. And not just for all people. He's the saviour also of the world in a sense which Paul talks about in Romans 8. He's the saviour of the environment as well. There will be a new earth where there will be no more global warming. There will be no more floods and earthquakes any longer. All who trust in Jesus will be renewed, not only now in spirit, but then in body as well. And even the earth itself will be renewed. We need a saviour. The world needs a saviour. The earth needs a saviour. And the angels announced that that saviour had been born. The people living in darkness have seen a great light, Jesus later says. Isaiah prophesied that. And I think it's significant that it was at night when the shepherds were watching their sheep that the angel came. It's almost as if the the nighttime signified that people were living in darkness. The people living in darkness, the light of the world has come. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Into this world where, to say the least, it's imperfect. We struggle with insecurity. We struggle with illness. We struggle with fear. We struggle with death. In a real sense, we are living in these Difficulties because of our relationship with God, which is broken. We are not living in peace with God. We're not living in peace on earth because, not just because we're at enmity with each other, but we're living in difficulty here on earth because we have rejected God. Man has rejected God. And he has let us alone to walk in the direction we've chosen. And the struggles we have, these things are symptoms of the fact that we're not at peace with him. The fact that we're not at peace with each other is a symptom of the fact that we're not at peace with him. And yet the angels come and say, peace on earth. We're like the prodigal son who's struggling to find enough to eat, who has no security, no friends in a far off land. And he ponders, he thinks about returning to his father to blessing. 
is our way back. Well, the angels announce, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that's to all the people. Jesus' birth means that we should not fear as well if we entrust our lives to him. We can know the birth of Jesus as the good news that not only was significant historically 2,000 years ago, not only significant religiously, but is significant personally for each one of us if we place our trust in him. He came to to rescue humanity. He came to forge a new path. He was the first human being who had never sinned. He is the God-man. He never sinned. He gave humanity a second chance. He came that we will be resurrected. He came that we will be forgiven. He came that we would have an inheritance as a gift from God. And we receive all this simply by placing our faith in him. We are accepted by the Father in Christ alone, not by our works, not by our righteousness, not by our baptism, not by our whatever. It's only by faith in him. One of the songs that has been on the radio, maybe more often than usual at Christmas time, you get the usual Christmas songs and sometimes Christmas carols. But one of these songs was Paul McCartney's song, Pipes of Peace. And there's a sense in which it is a bit of a Christmas song because it commemorates or it remembers the Christmas Day truce during World War I with the German and the, the British soldiers had a day of not fighting against each other, but a truce just for a day. Instead of the pipes signifying battle, the pipes signified peace. But yet, the lyrics show how futile the song is. Just teach us to learn how to play the pipes of peace. It's simply futile. We cannot live in peace. We might want peace. But we cannot find it. Peace movements all over the world are only temporary and partial. They do not provide lasting peace, deep peace, because wars keep continuing. It's like asking the lame to walk, the blind to look and see. We need a miracle outside of ourselves. And the birth of Jesus announces peace on earth. Peace between us and God so that we can have peace in our hearts, that we can have peace with each other. In the gospel, we have peace with God. Paul says in Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not simply enough to have an aspiration to want peace and to do what we can to maybe find that. Sin is in all of our hearts. We will never ultimately find it on our own. We can make great improvements and we thank God for all the people who've been involved in peace processes. But ultimately they do not last. 
And ultimately, they do not give that deep peace or that reconciliation even between communities. There's still enmity, there's still division. But we can have peace with God through faith in Christ. And that can bring us together in Christ as his people. The angels sang, the angels said, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace amongst those with whom he is pleased. Glory to God in the highest. Our responses should be thanks and praise. Trust in Jesus, but also to give glory to him. Jesus was born as a saviour. The announcement was for Mary's sake. The announcement by the angels was for the people's, the nation's sake. The announcement by the angels was for the world's sake, for our sake. But above all of that, and it's something that is too easy to miss, above all of that, is it, it, was, it was that we might give glory to God. It was the first thing that they said, they sang or said, glory to God in the highest. When we focus on Jesus being born, when we focus on the cross, when we focus on what he has done for us, there is a natural tendency to think it's all about us. But actually what he did was to give glory to God above all else. God is gracious, God is merciful, God is loving, God is good, God is just. And he would rightfully condemn us all for our sins. But in his grace and his mercy, he has provided a way of redeeming us. That we might not perish, but that that we might have everlasting life. He has found a way to, to be just and sin has been punished, but to justify us, not to condemn us. Christ came into the world, not to condemn the world, but that through him, the world might be saved. We might be saved. What Christ has done for us is of magnificent benefit for us, but that is not the end. The real end of what he has done is to give glory to God And so that's what the angels say. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace amongst those with whom he is pleased. At Christmas time many people are indulging or overindulging in food, presents, gifts, all kinds of things. But we can remember instead We can have a festival and we can celebrate in many ways, but let's not go over the top. Let's not do it in a sinful way. Let's remember also the birth of Jesus. He was given to Mary, to the Israelites, but ultimately to the world, to us. Have we received him? Have we placed our faith and trust in him? All we need to do is say, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And as Jesus said, the man who said that, even though he was a tax collector, an awful 
sinner in those days. He went home justified. We can go home justified if we just confess and trust our lives to him. God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Let's delight in our salvation as we remember Christ's birth. But more than that, let's give glory to God for his goodness and grace to us in Christ.